Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy the story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Amanda Malu. Amanda is Chief Executive of Fano Athena Plunkett, which is a charity and Aotearoa's largest support service for the health and well-being of tamariki under five and their Fano. Amanda has been the Chief Executive since 2016, and prior to that, her career has seen her take on a wide range of marketing and communication leadership roles across the not-for-profit and public sector. She's worked with organisations such as Maritime New Zealand, the Families Commission and the Tertiary Education Commission as well. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about Amanda and about her career journey today. Kia ora Amanda and thank you for joining me. Kia ora, thank you for having me. Lovely. Well the first question I have for you is if you think about your career as you were growing up, you know, maybe as you were a kid or maybe even into your teenage years, what were you thinking about in terms of your career? (laughs) That's a great question. Certainly wasn't thinking about the career I ended up in. For a long time as a child, I wanted to be in the police force. So I am the youngest of five children. And my two eldest brother and sister joined the police force. And the next two in the family, another brother and another sister, became teachers. And so that was the sort of extent of my career options initially. And and police seemed to be the one that I thought I might go for. And then as a teenager, that shifted to hospitality. I wanted to be a restaurant manager and having no idea really what what was involved. So my big dream initially was that I was going to run a restaurant. And that dream changed very quickly when I began waitressing part-time and realised just how difficult that job really is. (laughs) And so, you know, decided that perhaps wasn't going to be for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is true. I did a bit of waitressing in my teenage years as well, and it is hard work. If thinking about it as a 40, 50 year career, I can, you know, see how that might not be the, yeah, actually doing it in real life might potentially be less appealing. And then Amanda, I believe actually you didn't go into obviously the police force or into teaching in terms of following your siblings' footsteps. You ended up more into marketing, if I understand it correctly. So how did that come about? Yeah, I would probably describe myself as a bit of an accidental marketer. So I was really lucky when I finished university and and I studied politics at university. So, you know, go figure. And I happened to be introduced to somebody who was at the time starting to develop what is now the Centre for Māori Studies and Research at Lincoln University. So Lincoln, you know, certainly didn't have any anything resembling a Māori Studies department at this point in time. And I was lucky enough to be asked to go and be a part of that establishment really as almost work experience. I guess you'd probably describe it as a bit of an internship these days. It wasn't really as sophisticated as that. Initially, I just went out every day and did what what it needed doing with the, the team that was starting to pull it together. And 
as that department began to take shape, one of the opportunities that came about was the university created a Māori liaison officer role, which was the first in the South Island. And basically the, the purpose of that role was to recruit and support Tauira Māori, Māori students to come and study at Lincoln University. And somewhat cheekily, I thought, I could do that. (laughs) You know, I know what it's like. And put myself forward, which I think about it now and think that was really quite cheeky because at the time, the kinds of people who were in those university liaison roles were 60-year-old men who'd been high school principals and who were seeing out their sort of twilight years of their career in university liaison and recruitment roles. And I was 21 and pretty green and pretty raw, but they gave me a shot. And so I sort of ended up in marketing and recruitment through that channel, which is probably not your traditional pathway, but it was one of the most enjoyable jobs I've ever had. And I I did that role for five years. It was fantastic. And what were the highlights and challenges of that role? Well, there were there were plenty. Um, certainly, you know, being taken seriously uh, was one of them. You know, I was seen as a, a pretty young, inexperienced woman, and I, you know, I was operating sometimes in an environment where not being fluent in te reo was a disadvantage, and people were a bit sceptical. But the things I guess I did bring that made me stand out in some ways in the conversations we were having with schools and school leavers was that I'd recently been a student so I could speak quite honestly about what that was like and what to expect and you know how to think about your subject choices or how to plan to get your university entrance as you work your way through high school and so I guess I had a connection with high school students that former school principals perhaps didn't have in the same way and so you know I I really took to the role with great gusto I traveled all over New Zealand visiting schools all over the country from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the south the schools around the East Cape and more often than not I really was just talking about tertiary education and how to aspire to that and what you could expect and the support you could get and it was just incredibly rewarding work I have to say. Mm, It sounds wonderfully rewarding but I love also the fact you said you know maybe it was cheeky to put your hand up. I think you know sometimes you do have to put your hand up in your career if you see an opportunity that you think actually you could do that and you'd like to do it. Yeah I think you're absolutely right and often we talk ourselves out of taking those opportunities or taking that risk of being told no and I guess what gave me the courage was that you know I had the support of the people I'd been working with in in that department and the university itself was pushing in a direction it had never pushed in before so they they were prepared to you know to think about it differently which was really really helpful for me you know I credit that one role as the role that really set me on the path that I'm still on today. Mm, And so then tell me a bit more about that path. Where did you go from there? How did you forge your career from that point? Well, I'm probably, probably not one to do things in a very typical manner. So I ended up having my first child while I was still working at, at Lincoln University. So I got married relatively young by today's standards, I have to say, at sort of 23, 24, and had my first daughter at 25. So I sort of ended up having to juggle career and family quite early on in my career. So I came back to work when Mamairoa, my eldest daughter, was three months old, and my 
my mum and my dad, who lived very nearby in Christchurch, basically became my nannies and they would bring her out to me every day. So they keep feeding her and, you know, really trying to sort of forge a bit of a flexible family friendly work environment. I think I probably just forced it upon them. They didn't really have much choice. And my husband at the time was transferred to work in Wellington. So we moved to, to Wellington and left behind, you know, my family and, and my support network and um, moved to Wellington. And so I was fortunate enough when we came up here to get a role, again, in education at the then Central Institute of Technology. It doesn't exist anymore. It, it was sort of merged into the, the Welltech Polytechnic here in Wellington. And I was doing some student support and international student recruitment there. So I you know, I sort of took my marketing skills to another level there and started doing a bit more work with international students and recruiting and supporting them. And then I had another baby. So I had my second daughter. And while I was away, my role was restructured and basically disestablished and combined into a, an overall marketing manager role for the Polytechnic. And so when Fena was six months old, I returned to work and took on that marketing manager role. So that was the sort of first first time I'd, I'd moved into a kind of, you know, managing other people and managing a, a small marketing team and marketing function, which was pretty challenging, really, with two little ones. But it was great, great opportunity to really learn the craft, I think, really more thoroughly of marketing and what, what it looked like. So that was a great start, really, onto, onto the next step of my career. Mm, great. And I, it's interesting, isn't it, how often as women we tell the stories of our careers sometimes punctuated by our babies as well in between. Yeah. And I know I often do the same. I've got three kids myself and I'll often say, and then I took some time to do this and then I came back to this role. It's sort of as yeah. the explanations of the shifts or the, the moves as well. And then I believe you moved a bit more into the public sector for a period of time there, Amanda. Yeah, I did. A funny old shift, really. I, I went to the Maritime Safety Authority as their marketing advisor. So that role was another really fantastic opportunity. I knew nothing about boats, let alone commercial shipping or commercial fishing. And you know, it was a regulatory agency. So it was quite an experience. And I was there for four years. Great team of people, really Really, really interesting work. I found out I was the world's worst sailor, so that became quite embarrassing. You know, sort of doing marketing campaigns for an organisation is all about being on the water. And again, really got to work on sort of branding, behaviour change campaigns, and sort of take my... I guess my sort of marketing into that more social marketing uh, space, which I really enjoy. So we developed and ran a number of recreational boating safety campaigns, some more successful than others. So again, you know, really great learning about knowing your target audience and testing and learning and getting it right. You know, fantastic four years there, built up a, a team who, you know, of marketing and communications experts there. So that has sort of survived since and it's quite a strong feature now of what is now Maritime New Zealand. They have quite a big comms and marketing team who are uh, very professional. So I feel really pleased to have been a part of kind of building that back in, in the day. Mm, wonderful. And then what then was the journey to the role that you're doing now at Whanau Plunkett? 
Yeah, I guess probably my biggest or closest experience before coming to Vanuafina Plunkett in the sort of health space was probably at the Families Commission, which is where I went to after maritime safety. And I was at the Families Commission for four years as one of their foundation sort of group managers. So again, a bit of a step up in my leadership journey, but also a chance to really get my teeth stuck into the social sector, the social and wellbeing space, which is something I hadn't been involved in before. And it was at the Families Commission that I did probably one of my kind of most favourite pieces of work, which was the work on the It's Not Okay Family Violence campaign, and really gave me, I guess, a taste of you know, of really trying to shift outcomes for for people, for families, and for women, and that, and I, in many ways, probably set me on on the path towards coming to here to work here at Fanoafina Plunkett, and I, you know, I draw on a lot of the experience of those families commission days all the time, and in, in this role and in this organisation, very similar objectives and purposes, I guess. Mm. And so how did you then come to, I believe you didn't, you started maybe in marketing with Whanau Afina Plunkett and then moved into the chief exec role, if that's correct, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. And again, you know, not, not a very traditional pathway to becoming a chief executive. When I came to work at Whanau Afina Plunkett, I came as the chief marketing officer looking after marketing, fundraising and communications. And, you know, I tell the story often, actually, because I honestly thought it would be a nice little gig for a couple of years. You know, I'd never worked in the not-for-profit space. And I thought, this will be a bit of a doddle, really, you know, won't it be nice? And I'll be surrounded by lovely nurses and there'll be babies and won't it be great? (laughs) When I sort of started to get my my feet under the desk and really get a sense of the breadth of work and the complexity of the issues that Whanau Afina Plunkett deals with, I realised it was never going to be a a doddle and it was certainly never going to be a two-year gig. You know, it's just such an amazing organisation and generating, you know, fundraising, donations, major giving really gave me a sense of just how tough it is to be in the not-for-profit space and how every day is a bit of a hard slog to get money in the door and, and to make sure you can keep the lights on and keep the services being delivered. And, you know, I really grew to love the organisation and it never in a million years crossed my mind that I would ever be the chief executive <laughs> until Jenny Prince announced that she was leaving and, and asked if I would act in the role for six months with the then CFO sharing the, the CE role. And, and that was just the most phenomenal opportunity to really step in and, and get a taste of what leading an organisation like this might be like. Mm-hmm. And then now you've been doing this role for a number of years now. Yeah. So what do you really love about your work? I do really love the mission of the organisation. You know, it is great to be working on something that you really, really believe in. And that's probably always been quite important to me when I reflect on my career. I've always felt it's quite important to to have a values alignment, I guess, with an organisation that I'm working for. And with Whanau Afina Plunkett, I have that in spades. I also have a crazy family connection to the organisation that that I hadn't really appreciated until I started here. So some of the work that we've done in the past few years here is really to go back and look at our, our very beginnings and try and understand just how bicultural they were. And it 
turns out that my great-great-grandmother, Mary Harper, was one of the midwives working in Karitani at the very beginning of, of what would become Plunkett and was actually a really significant person in the establishment of the organisation. And so that kind of connection has just made the, the, the you know, fueled my passion, I guess, as, as we've been working on the things we've been working on as an organisation for the past five years. I really love the, the breadth of work that Whanau Awhina does, but also the breadth of work that as CE you get to be involved in and across and you get to see and, you know, you see it as a little kind of fledgling of kind of notion of an idea and then see it grow into a project or a different way of working and then it becomes how we are now. And that's pretty special. You know, you don't really get to see that when you're specifically responsible for a single function in an organisation. So I think that is the real privilege that I have had as being chief executive is to see all of those pieces of work come together and and what people see today is the, the whanauafi in a Plunkett service. Mm, and I think a lot of people, when they get to that sort of leadership role, absolutely, it's the breadth, the variety, the perspective that that offers in, in that sort of leadership role is is often hugely rewarding. But I love that family connection. What a wonderful um, coincidence because, <laughs> totally. as you said, it, you only realised that after you were in the role. That's, mm-hmm. um, that's amazing. Fantastic. And we've talked there a little bit about some of the things you love and, and you shared uh, a lot of the things along your career journey to date that you have really enjoyed and valued and how you felt fulfilled I guess you know look no career is easy there's always bumps in the road and things that twists and turns that that make things a bit tougher if you think back about your career to date what have been some of the toughest career moments or challenges that you've had yeah that's so true and you know I think for me definitely becoming a mum and juggling work I've always worked as a parent so I've never never really had significant amounts of time away from work as a as a parent and so just that juggle has always been tricky and a little bit challenging at times but now my girls are 27 and 24 and they tell me that they didn't suffer in any way and they feel they had a fantastic childhood so I feel better now but at the time when I was in the middle of it I think I sometimes wondered what on earth I was doing and why I was running around trying to please everybody and feeling like I wasn't pleasing anybody so that has been a kind of a theme I guess you know just with the the challenge of of juggling family life and work and when I married a second time I became mum to four other children so we had six children to juggle for quite some time so that was always an interesting challenge but I've always had great and understanding workplaces which has really helped me navigate that path. Perhaps one of the biggest work challenges for me has been fronting to media on really contentious issues and I've had to do that quite a lot at Whanau Awhina Plunkett and you know while I have a communications and marketing background it's it's not this you know it's very easy to know about something or to advise others about it and quite different to be the one who's having to to actually respond to the questioning and the concerns out there and I I have to say that never really gets easy. Um, it's easier when you know you really do believe that what you're doing is the right thing. That said, it's not it's not always the message that gets across. You know, you're not in charge of how it comes across on the six o'clock news. For me, the hardest example of that was several years ago during some consultation around closing a crash 
it was about four years ago now, and the media coverage turned from being about the closure of the creche to being about the fact that my, my daughter was working at Plunkett. And when your family gets dragged into something like that, it's really hard to separate the, the mum from the from the chief executive, I can tell you that. And that was really, really tough because we were doing the right thing and we could have perhaps done it better in terms of the way we consulted and we acknowledged that and, and put that to rights. But in, I still don't think that's any reason to go at somebody's family in the way that, that, that some parts of the media did during that time. And my daughter was you know, 23, 24. That's a lot to put on, on a young woman starting on her career and, and that really ground my gears both as a professional and as a mum that the New Zealand media sort of got into that space. Mm, And that sounds like it was a tough time for you, for your family. How did you cope during that time? Well, I guess it always helps to have really great people around you, you know, so I've got great family support, but also terrific professional support. And I, you know, I was able to pick up the phone and talk to really experienced PR professionals who I count among my closest friends who were really great at kind of counselling a a sort of a careful path through it, who were good shoulders to cry on if I needed that, but also really good at saying, you've got this, you know, this is how it will play, say this, don't say that, (laughs) you know, and, and I felt really, really grateful to have such great great friends and colleagues around me that were were happy and so willing to support not just me but my daughter as well Mm, and I think that's you know generally good advice sometimes I think when things get tough we go inside on ourselves but actually reaching out and looking for the support of family or professionals who might be able to support you through those times is always good advice And you talked, Amanda, a bit about some of those tough times being a a working mum. I think that's, you know, and it's it's an experience that very many women share. Have there been any other particular challenges as a woman that you faced in your career? You know, I think as disappointing as it is, I still come across situations where despite the fact that I'm the, the chief executive in the room, if I have my chief financial officer and he happens to be a he, the, the conversation at very senior levels sometimes goes directly to the man in the room. And and I've experienced that a number of times, often at the highest level with ministers. And, you know, when I reflect on that, I think, how is that still happening? How is that still the case in today's world? But it is. And I have a couple of times in those situations almost had to kind of wrestle control back of the conversation so that the conversation is is about the things that I, that I've come in to talk about. And generally speaking, to be honest, with a you know, not-for-profit, it's nearly always about money. So it is useful to have your CFO there. But the conversation was a conversation that I have arranged with a very sort of senior minister. And yeah, you know, I, I find that pretty alarming really that that's still going on in today's today's world but perhaps we're starting to see some changes yeah I like the optimism I always try to be optimistic Mm. um that's a very (laughs) similar story I hear lots of women tell that same story you know co-founders of a business you've got male and female and they go and speak pitch to investors and and their conversation so often goes to the men and I think there's still work to do around broader societal perceptions of what a leader looks like and seeing all the different ways that that takes shape. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. I think it's one that probably very many other women could could relate to. 
And you talked to Amanda about the broader juggle and the fact that, you know, a certain stage, six kids. But, you know, regardless, even now you've got a busy, full-on job. How do you find some kind of balance in between your work and your broader life? Well, very recently I've taken up golf, which I am, I'm just surprised to even hear those words come out of my mouth, I have to say. <laughs> it's not at all what I imagined I'd be doing at this point in my life, but courtesy of my husband who became quite hooked on golf about a year ago I decided that if you can't beat him join him I'll give it a go too and I've actually found that to be a terrific thing to do both as a couple with my husband but also to kind of challenge myself to learn a new a totally new sport in my 50s <laughs> it certainly is a very frustrating game but I really enjoy that kind of it's almost like a kind of form of you know walking meditation <laughs> interrupted by the odd incredibly frustrating moment yeah but you're outdoors and you can talk about whatever you want you dealing with the the challenge of getting your this white ball to do the thing you want it to do and you know you can put work out of your mind for a while at the same time you can kind of talk through and about kind of gnarly work issue if that's what you want to do as you wander around the, the golf course. So I found that to be quite a, it's a very recent addition to my, my life, but I found it to be really enjoyable. Aside from that, I'm a, I'm a pretty haphazard meditator, but I do try to be, you know, it's a work in progress. I have learnt that sometimes that just sitting still and, you know, trying to quiet the voices in your head, even if it is only for five minutes, makes a huge difference to my general state of mind and well-being yeah um so I'm that's definitely something I'm working on and exercise I like to to run walk the dog you know get outside those sorts of things are always really good and sometimes I find I do my best thinking when I'm when I'm running or or walking and sometimes much to my team's horror come up with you know all sorts of new ideas of different ways of doing things that we should try (laughs) but yeah that and spending time with my family always enjoy that yes absolutely and I think the the piece you said with it's running walking on the golf course that shift in perspective getting out from out from a meeting room or out from behind your desk actually to be doing something totally different you know refreshes you but also potentially sparks creativity and yeah. innovation too which I love the sound of that but also I think there is something fantastic in pushing yourself to try and do something new that you've never tried before <laughs> that's not the professional world so I love the idea of golf but that, that's been what that's done for you as well but um, yeah great um, I have I don't play myself but I, I absolutely I hear it's a frustrating sport too. Oh yeah. <laughs> and as you look back on your career now, Amanda, what are some of your proudest career moments? I definitely put the It's Not Okay family violence campaign right up there. You know, it was such a passion project for me at the time and it was hard. It was a hard piece of work to be involved in in one way because the organisation was quite a small player, Families Commission, but we felt we really had something to bring to the table in terms of you know the sort of social marketing experience that I had and it was a hard subject you know this was a big social issue it still is um, that the you know the country was trying to grapple with and one of the beauties of that campaign has always been its simplicity and I think even today you hear people talk about family violence in terms of it's not okay and that campaign and that whole project 
that phrase, that simple phrase, into the vernacular, and, and I'm really proud of that. And the campaign itself, the you know the overarching campaign, won a, a Prime Minister's Award at the Public Service Excellence Awards, and it really deserved it. You know, it was a fantastic piece of work, and I'm yeah I'm incredibly proud of of the the involvement that I had in that. Aside from that, it would definitely be the the, the past five years, six years now of work here at Fanawafina Plunkett to really shift the organisation into a new direction for the future, both in terms of better understanding how we can deliver for families today in terms of the contemporary nature of our service and the ability to deliver a service that is actually appropriate for Māori whānau and to really dig deep into our our own whakapapa as an organisation to look for inspiration about how we can become a pro-equity organisation. I'm really, really proud of that work and really proud of the team here for the way that they have gotten behind it. That's been, still is a huge source of pride and excitement for me. Wonderful, two wonderful stories. And it is, I guess, those kind of social change campaigns, as, as you said, it's when it becomes something that people just just know and talk about it becomes bigger than the campaign almost yes. that, that you feel that that pride but equally you know whanau Afina Plunkett has a room in the the hearts and lives of so many people in Aotearoa you know I know certainly my mum used Plunkett services when when I was a baby and my babies weren't born here so I, I never got the benefit of it but I would have loved to have uh, and yeah absolutely it's got such a place in history but then to then reimagine the place and more of a bicultural Aotearoa and thinking about how that looks as a different journey again. Yeah, it's been great. An amazing journey. And where do you see your own career heading in the future? Yeah, that is a tough question. You know, it's not often that a role like the one I'm in comes along in your career, right? You know, I have this amazing family connection you know my tupuna sits on my shoulder every day here in my work and how I approach my work here at Whanau Awhina Plunkett and it's hard to think about that not being the case till the end of my career but I'm very aware that I don't want to be the chief executive that never leaves and who's still telling the same story about her great-great-grandmother, you know, in 20 years' time. And, you know, there'll always be a point at which it makes sense for, for me to think about what might be next. What that looks like, I don't know, to be honest. You know, I do and really enjoy leading this organization so you know I, I'm interested in in expanding my my leadership repertoire if you like um, for want of a better word and you know and whatever the next step might bring an, an agency or an organization that is able to make a difference is absolutely going to be vital for me because I feel like I need that motivation in my work it means a lot to me to be able to feel like I'm part of an organization that makes a difference so yeah I'm not really sure <laughs> and that's okay I think um it's a tough question for anybody to, to have to answer is where you know where are you going in your career it's one of those ones sometimes gets asked at an interview yeah. and you think yeah. oh yeah I should have a well-prepared yeah. answer for that but I equally I think you know knowing some of the the pieces that you love and as you said that, that if the heart of it is making a difference then having that as a bit of your north star mm. that it's often enough in terms of a career direction 
Yeah, one thing I would add, I guess, is, you know, often at this point, people are starting to think about moving from leadership into governance. And certainly I have dipped my toe in that. And I've had a great opportunity over the last couple of years to be an associate director uh, for Ngaitahu Holdings, so the large holdings company of Ngaitahu, because I am Ngaitahu. So that's been a terrific opportunity for me to to understand what it might be like to be more heavily involved in governance and particularly something like Naitahu Holdings which is really connected to me and my family as well and so I definitely see that in my future that sort of having some kind of governance role as part of my career but I'm probably not ready for the for that to be my full-time career just yet but certainly it's I think that's in terms of boards of directors around New Zealand the more women that are you know putting themselves forward and particularly Maori women into that sort of governance space is really important so I'm I'm quite interested in in pursuing that in some way shape or form into the future too. Mm, and as you said, it is really important because it's important that those who govern our organisations are representative of Aotearoa yes. because the decisions they're making are decisions often that affect very many of us. Uh, so great that you might be putting your hand up for some of those <laughs> in the future as well. One last question, if I may, Amanda, I'd love to hear what career advice would you have for other women? I guess it comes back a little bit to the first story I told is don't be afraid to be a bit cheeky. That one cheeky question or that you know act of putting yourself forward for something might be the thing that sets you off on a whole new path don't let the voice in your head tell you not to do it back yourself and if it doesn't come to anything the first time around it might come to something the next time around and I think as women one of the things we're very good at is going well there must be someone better than me so I'll just wait and see and actually you might be the best person and so put yourself out there would be my advice and and back back yourself be a bit cheeky great advice wonderful advice and I think absolutely it is often people go there must be somebody else better for, <laughs> suited for this for me as you say maybe have a look inside maybe it is maybe it is you or maybe it's your turn to put your hands up yeah nice Amanda it's been such a pleasure for me to speak with you today and to hear about your career journey and thank you for being so open about some of those tough times as well as I said you know no career is easy but how wonderful that you've been able to spend such a the majority portion of your career in roles that have really made a difference so I've loved hearing about that as well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great to talk to you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon.